So in yeah. terms of giving feedback on design, it's important to it's important to know that you're not really giving feedback to the designers. You're looking at a very specific design and looking into if that design solves any problems for the users. Mm. What's up, homies? Welcome to another heated episode of Lit PM, the podcast all about demystifying the gated careers of the tech industry. On this episode, we'll be speaking with Jenny, a product designer at Nextdoor. Nextdoor is a social networking platform for neighborhoods based in San Francisco. It enables its users to empower their own communities for things like social activities or buying and selling goods. Jenny walks us through her journey from studying life sciences in undergrad to becoming one of the gnarliest designers that I know today. In this episode, we talk extensively about how product managers and designers work together and the conflicts that they may face. Learning to work well with design is absolutely critical for your success as a product manager. This conversation is for you, whether you're an aspiring product manager or an existing product manager. This podcast is sponsored by No Milk, an eco-friendly grocery bag that enables you to reduce plastic waste, but also to express your Canadianness. Please check them out at nomilkshop.com. What's up, Jenny? What's happening? What up? Uh, welcome to the Lip PM Podcast. I've been trying to have you on for, for a minute now, but you've been dodging me. Yeah, you know? I don't really want to so, come on here. I don't know. So, it's really welcome. It's not, what you mean is not your vibe? It's all right. You know, I don't... It's all right. Okay, word. You're the first designer on the pod, so uh, you yeah. should feel very... Honored. You should feel very honored. Okay, so... Um, you've been a designer for quite a while now, I think about five years soon. Yeah, I'm getting hella old. Shit, respect. So let, let's start from the beginning. Obviously, this podcast is focused on products, but I just want to hear your journey uh, into design. So let's start from the beginning. What did you study in undergrad and how did you come across UX design? And tell me about your journey into design. Yeah, sure. Um, in university, I actually studied anatomy and cellular biology. So fun. I actually wanted to be a doctor at one point, but then halfway through I realized I was too dumb. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, Wait, so, you're joking about the fact that you wanted to be a doctor or the fact that you're too dumb? Oh, I mean, take it as you will. Um, Respect. So my major was very heavy in memorizations and it was pretty dry at one point. And I really craved a lot of, you know, creative outlets. So I started doing a lot of graphic design on the side and I had a couple of engineering friends that, you know, told me to go to hackathons with them. And I thought, you know what, why not? Free food, mm. free trip, let's go. Hey. Jeez, jeez. Um, through hackathons, I was able to build out a portfolio for UI and UX design. And I don't know, I just kind of fell in love with it. Um, I started to take on a couple of internships throughout the summer and then I started to learn a little bit more about design and I realized design isn't really just pushing pixels um, it's really about problem solving and then mm. you know the more that I did design the more I started really think about you know is, is design something that I really want to pursue and then after I graduated I had to have that conversation with my mom my Asian mom hey what's up Not very fun. shout out to your mom it really wasn't fun um, but then now she was like you know, my, my, my daughter is a UX designer. Have you heard of that? <laughs> no, they, they turn around fast. Um, why, why wasn't it fun? Because you had to convince her that, hey, mom, I'm no longer looking to become a doctor and I want to be a designer, which Asian parents probably aren't familiar with that concept. <laughs> Every Asian being an artist. parent is going to be like, what, you don't want to be a doctor. What do you want to do? And then <laughs> also, I guess UX design, product design is a completely new field that not a lot of people 
really knew about, especially, you know, our parents. Uh, so I really had to explain to them. But then at the end of the day, she just thought I used Photoshop <laughs> um, and circles and squares. But mm. eventually she learned a little bit more about the field and she realized that is a really important part of any, you know, product company. Cool, cool. Thanks for that uh, overview. I wanted to dive into a few parts there. How did you start uh, messing around with graphic design initially? Because you said you wanted a creative outlet. How did you come to graphic design? And what is graphic design? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it kind of, I was always pretty creative when I was a kid. I was drawing like animes and stuff. <laughs> 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 All right, cut that out. <laughs> no, we'll do no, you're a weeb. <laughs> Let's just start from the beginning. Um, what was I saying again? Oh yeah, I I, I was always um, a pretty pretty creative kid, and um, I was I started off drawing, and actually I went to art school, so I started doing some graphic design there, um, some collages, and honestly, any digital art is. I feel like it's really a part of graphic design, but graphic design is not really related to. Uh, UX design and product design. Um, what's, think, what's the difference? I think oh, a lot of good. people still don't really know the difference. Um, even the engineers and the PMs that I work with, they're like, oh, can you make this color a little bit prettier or make it pop? Um, but, you know, I, I think a lot of people come from graphic design, but then kind of pivot to product design. So graphic design is really looking into the visual aspect of things. Um, and then when you try to apply the visual aspects, um, of design onto the product you're trying to make, that's when you kind of come into UI design. So how does a, you know, a, compo- a component look like? What does a button look like? How is the look and feel of this website or the product that I'm using? But then UX design is really looking into, you know, how are your users going to be, you know, interacting with this product you're looking at? How are you going to help your user accomplish the thing that they're trying to accomplish on, on your product? For example, if I'm trying to, uh, you know, just buy something from Essence, for example, um, what is the one thing that your users are coming in to do? How can you make sure that you're making their lives a little bit easier by making a really great experience? Mm. Um, that's what UX design was really looking into. And product design is ultimately looking into like everything now, right? You're looking into kind of like, I think a product designer is very similar to a PM in a lot of ways. Um, where we're also looking into the product roadmap. How is the mm. product and the design going to evolve with the with the user as well as the business? Um, you're also looking into research, right? How are uh, who are your users? What are their problems? And how are we going to solve their problems? Sounds like there's a lot of overlap with product management. And when I first started in product management, I didn't really understand the difference, as you mentioned, between a graphic designer and a product designer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually felt there was a lot of overlap between what a product designer and a product manager. Now that I get into the field more, like you, both of you are working on ideating on solutions. Both of you do user interviews. Both exactly. of you have to work in like user journey mapping and the flow. So then what do you see as like the fundamental difference between the two roles? I think there's a lot of similarities between the roles of a PM and a product designer. I think both of you are very much looking into, you know, understanding who your users are, as well as solving a problem for them. But a PM really has to do a lot of other things as well, right? So making sure your team is focusing on the right priorities, talking to engineers who really understand the technical aspect of the product, 
working with your designers to really understand who your users are and your researchers um, and figure out the design aspect of the product and data and research and everything like that. But I think designers are very much focused on being that one person on the team that really advocates for your users because they are the closest person to your users. So that, you know, when the PM is very much looking into, you know, maybe looking into blue skies thinking or focusing on very minute details, the designer um, can really help you look into the right things to focus on. Mm. Sometimes when you focus on small things, you might be thinking too much into the technical aspect of things or the business aspect of things. So the designer is really there to help you, to pull you out of that, to really make you understand who your users are and you know help you be in the shoes of your, your users. Yeah, I, I fuck with that a lot because actually a lot of times when people say like, who's the number one advocate for the, the, the users and people usually say product managers, but I really do think it should nah, be the nah, designer. Design. Come on. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think the product manager is like a unification of the business, the users, the, the operations, the technical constraints, like everything. Whereas the designer is like purely focused on how do we optimize the experience for the users. I think the designers and the PMs are usually, you know, if you have a really great relationship, sometimes the PM can also help me advocate for some higher issues, right? So, for example, if I don't feel like uh, our team is focusing on the right things because we got some feedback from our research, UX research that we just did, maybe I can talk to my PM, loop them in, and then together we're able to actually talk to, our, to leadership um, or talk to the team to really, you know, rethink our strategies. Right. Do you guys do a lot of blue sky thinking as design or is it more focused on the problem space that the PM constrains for you guys to focus on? For example, if we go back to the example of like e-commerce, if the PM says, hey, our goal today is to reduce the friction on checkout, are you guys restricted to that problem space set by the PMs or do you go and define the problem spaces as designers? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that really depends on, you know, how junior you are as a designer. I think junior designers are definitely focusing on solving the problems that the team tells you to focus on. A smaller set of problems. Whereas a senior designer or a design lead will actually try to look into what kind of problems that we want to prioritize as a team, work work with a PM to really uncover that. Um, mm. So, you know, as you, you can imagine, as you become a more senior designer, the problem space that you work with gets bigger and bigger. And, some, mm. uh, and then you start thinking about, you know, how does my product work with the system that this product actually lives in? It's right. pretty complex. Right. Okay, cool. I want to go back to what you were saying in undergrad about going to hackathons because initially you didn't have any product design skills. So how did you go about learning some of these skills at the hackathons, which then I'm guessing eventually helped you land your first internship? Yeah, for sure. When I was going to these hackathons, I didn't really know what UX design was. Neither did my engineering friends, to be honest. They just wanted me to go there because they wanted a logo. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is a graphic like, which yeah. is a graphic design exactly right? like they're like okay. oh should our interface be like blue or green what do you think <laughs> but you know um when i started networking with a couple of ux designers i started to you know understand that it's not just about logos you're really looking at the user flows and everything and mm. i started really trying to learn that myself on the internet 
Um, but I also just want to put it out there that when I was trying to get a UX design, this was 2015. 15? Yeah, 15. Um, Jeez. But there was very little competition back then. But nobody really knew what UX design was. I think in all of Montreal, there were maybe two or three designers that was able to actually network with that mm. were Anglophone. Whereas now, um, I think everybody is doing UX boot camps. Yeah, everybody really knows about UX design. Everybody's trying to get a job in it. So the t- competition is definitely more fierce. What I really did is to just search for UX resources online, start reading it, and also trying to apply it to personal projects. If you know mm. me, I always have like a couple of side projects on, um, that I'm working on. So I would pair up with a couple of engineering friends and then we would have a really shitty startup idea. (laughs) (laughs) And be like, all right, let's, let's do this. Like Combinator, let's go. Um, Mm. And I really feel like by doing these side projects, I was able to learn a lot of the things I wouldn't have been able to learn um, in terms of design. It also helped with my portfolio. Right. A big thing, a big thing for designers is your portfolio. I'm not going to get into too much of design because this isn't lit designer, but I guess this is still wow, really do you guys important. Not care or <laughs> we do, we do care. We do care. But I wanted to ask about like the networking piece. Did you like go find a mentor before your first internship to talk to like different people in the industry to help guide you a little bit more? So here's the thing. Okay, I'm not very good at uh, networking. Uh, I'm super introverted. I would not want to talk to people <laughs> unless I have to. Mm. So I didn't really do a lot of networking, but I think. The design community is actually really close-knit. So mm. sometimes when you look into, you know, some Medium articles and you're like, wow, this person's story is really interesting. And then you realize, oh, shoot, this person's actually, you know, in my city. And through actually just reading like Medium posts and Twitter, I actually did a couple of cold uh, reach outs. Is that what it's called? Like cold calling? Yeah, cold emails. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was able to make a few friends that way. It was really difficult to actually find a design uh, community in Montreal at the time. So I just decided to be a little bit more proactive on LinkedIn. Mm, Got it. And that's obviously benefited you in a lot of ways because they kind of give you a direction. For sure. I think I just, I met a lot of people who were fairly early in their careers, but um, definitely knew more about design than than I did. Why do you think the product design career sector has gotten so hot over the past few years as you mentioned like when you were trying to break in initially there wasn't a lot of resources but now there's full-out boot camps and i think you could say the same about product management so what do you think is making it so popular i don't know pays well <laughs> respect okay next question <laughs> <clears throat> no i mean like design is a product design is a pretty cool job it's all about problem solving right and you get to really design a lot of things that people are using every day. Like who wouldn't want to do that? So th- that's interesting. Cause it's like, uh, there's consumer product designers, but also B2B customers or B2B companies where you're designing for like people in offices, but I guess those are still people. <laughs> Never mind. That, was a, that, was, that was a stupid Ooh, ass point. I hope that he keeps us into your podcast. Oh my goodness. Yeah, they're definitely users. That was a, that was a stupid point. Okay, cool. I want to jump into your design career now. So what happened after you graduated undergrad? I had to make a decision on if I want to spend my summer studying for MCATs or interviewing for a full-time job. 
Hey. I actually paid three thousand dollars for a MCAT boot camp in which I actually missed half of them. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even I know this. I have no idea why I actually pay for it. I think it's just to shut my mom up, but oh, shit, I respect. definitely focused most of my energy on getting a job instead. Damn, you had two. So yeah, it must have been pretty tough because you didn't have any official experience in it. So would you say that all the side projects and all the hackathons that you went to and all the stuff that you read on helped you a lot to get that job? Oh, 100%. I don't even think my past internships did too much in terms of helping me get any full-time jobs. And this is definitely a advice I could give to bootcamp uh, UXers as well, mm-hmm. uh, which is definitely don't rely on the projects that you do in class because mm. everybody, um, when you graduate, everybody's going to apply to the same companies. Yeah. Everybody graduates from boot camps with the same projects at the same time because you, everybody graduates at the same time. So what's going to mm. make me want to hire you? Yeah. So I guess the trick is to have a diversified and unique product or project portfolio. For sure. Mm. If you have side projects, it just shows me that you are more passionate about, about design compared to your mm. Right. Okay. Did you consider doing product management at all? No. Since there's so many similarities between the space. You can't what? You can't pay me enough to be a PM, man. (laughs) And that's the truth. It's so difficult. Like, I feel like every PM I know, like, barely sleeves. Y'all have to talk to so many people. Yeah, it's it's pretty tough. It's pretty tough. It is pretty tough. It it is a tough job. I guess, like, I, I don't know what it's like on the other side, but... As a, as a PM, I think it's not only like intellectually draining, but it's also emotionally draining because there's a lot of alignment that you need to do. And like, exactly, you need to act as a leader. You need to persuade without authority. That's like one of the big things that people say about PMs because you're not people's bosses, but you still need to convince people to do things. So yeah, I think there's a, it's straining in, in multiple, in, in various capacities, but it's also very rewarding because I think a good PM could dictate the company's direction and impact the lives of millions of people, depending on what product you work on. For sure. So I wanted to skip forward to your career. Now, now you're obviously killing it as a senior product designer. Congrats mm. on your on your recent Thank job, you. by you. the way. And I want to hear about your experiences working with PMs. So to what capacity do you work with PMs? And what are some of the things that you've experienced so far from working with PMs? Specifically, I'd love to hear about like things that you like about working with a PM and things that you really don't like. Oh, yeah. Here's the juicy stuff, right? Yeah, the juicy Um, stuff. Yeah, like based on our conversations prior to this, uh, we were talking about how designers and PMs have a lot of overlap in their responsibilities. I think that's when, you know, your relationship with your PM really depends Mm. on (laughs) um, if you guys work well or or not. Yeah, facts. You know, I, I, I feel like the times where I really liked working with a PM is when we figure out our responsibilities at the beginning of the project. Mm. You know, who's going to be responsible for what and how are we going to be sp- splitting up the tasks? If you don't actually do that prior um, to actually just starting off a project, it can get quite difficult because sometimes the PM might assume you're on this thing, but then you're also thinking that, you know what, maybe the PM's going to got to get it. I feel like it, it depends on the, the project and depends on the PM as well. I think a lot of PMs want to be a little bit more um, hands-on with the research. Maybe they'll, mm. they'll say, you know what, I'll do designs, I'll do the research. And there's pros and cons to that because, you know, 
is really great that the PM really wants to be a part of the UX process, but sometimes it's kind of like, you know, give us some space because we can also mm. do this as well. Yeah. One of the one of the things I'm learning um, as I progress through my PM career is to just really have trust in your team. Like I used to want to mm-hmm. mock up designs. I used to want to run queries. I used to even want to like push code in, in some capacities. And I realized that's maybe more of a junior thing to do. And truly good PMs should just focus on product discovery and trusting the team to do every other function. But it's something hard to realize because you sit across so many different functions. 100%. Um, just to add up on that. I think a lot of PMs, when they actually uh, draw out designs and say, you know what, like maybe we should just build this instead. <laughs> Put yourself in the shoes of the designer. What would yeah. you think? Like, what is this guy out here trying to take my job? <laughs> yeah, this it's kind of like, it's really ignorant and you don't really, you, you don't have proper education in product design. It's not even your role. So it's no, kind of like- I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like that. I feel like everybody is capable of design, right? Mm, but mm-hmm. at the same time, when you go out here and say- you know what, this is the design that we should consider. This is the design that we should be building. That's when you're pushing a little bit too much. Mm. Um, I think the best way to really collaborate with your team on design is to involve everybody in the beginning of design so that, you know, maybe everybody can sketch out a couple of ideas, but in a workshop setting, rather than one person dictating the entire conversation, Mm. everybody can feel like, you know, they participated and their ideas are heard. So if everyone has the ability to make a sketch, how do you as a designer take that sort of input into your thinking? Yeah, and that's the beauty of product design versus graphic design. I think graphic design is very personal um, Mm. because you might say, you know what, blue is just not what I'm feeling. Whereas Mm. product design, you can say, well, that's what the user wanted. (laughs) Check back on the research that we did a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Or you can just... You know, if we didn't really have any user research, you can ask the team. Anybody right. who has expertise in this field, anybody who is close to your users, to ask them, what do you think? What do you? Uh, wh- which one do you think is going to solve the problem for our users better? Right. I want to talk about something that uh, always gets asked, and there's a lot of questions online about it. I want to get your perspective on, which is how should I, as a PM, give you feedback as a designer on your designs? Let's say we're meeting and like we're going over some specs or some prototypes and I really don't like your prototype and I want to give you feedback. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, from, from, from many of the things I read and some of my experiences, I felt that maybe designers are more sensitive and protective of their work. So how do you deliver this message in a collaborative spirit to actually better the product prototypes? Okay, first of all, that is definitely a stereotype. Not all designers are super sensitive and not you know, open for feedback. Mm -hmm. That is definitely a stereotype. I think a good designer is actually really open for feedback. Um, Mm. I feel like I have really thick skin and I'm really open for feedback, Um, but it really depends on who you're working with, right? So my advice is definitely talking with the designers to ask them, how do you like to receive feedback? What kind of process can we put out uh, to the team so that Mm. our team members can also give you feedback? Sometimes, you know, it's actually easier if you try to make sure that there's like a feedback culture within your team so that not only a designer is getting feedback, right? So that, that just feels like, you know, like, y'all, they're, they're, they're just bullying me. I can't get feedback <laughs> on tech because I don't know what the heck's going on. Facts. Um, there was this one really interesting um, meeting that a couple of designers did when I was at Shopify. 
they actually implemented a design roast. <laughs> oh, so, really? Yeah, yeah was that's hilarious. Funny. So what happened is that they would actually have a meeting with everybody in the room. Everybody's like so psyched. They have snacks and everything. It's like, all right, show us the designs. And the designer presents the designs. But obviously, this is like a work in progress. A designer should never actually come in with a super polished design that the rest mm. of the team has never seen before. Right. right. Um, and then the, everybody just goes around the room and t- uh, say something about the design and just kind of roast, roast it. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, you know, it's all in good fun because the designer can also roast other designers' work. And that kind of roasting culture just kind of, you know, gets carried out in everyday conversations as well. But it might work for some team, uh, team members. It might not work for others. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. But yeah, it, it might be difficult with some personalities. But to your original to your original point, I think thank you for helping me demystify some of these things. Mm-hmm. Stereotypes about designers being sensitive. I, I do think like, yeah, this this openness to feedback isn't like a design thing. It's just like a people thing. And you need to like cater your approach with different types of people, whether it's designers, engineers, or product managers. Mm-hmm. I actually cool. want to say one more thing. So in yeah. terms of giving feedback and design, it's important to it's important to know that you're not really giving feedback to the designers. You're looking at a very specific design and looking into if that design solves any problems for the users. Mm. Right. So I actually like to teach everybody um, on my team on how to give proper feedback. So I work with engineers and PMs that would say like, you know what, I'm not a designer. Like, I don't know what kind of feedback I can give, you know, like don't even consider my feedback. Here you go. Oh, wow. You're not really empowering. I I feel that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people feel that way, but that's not true. Everybody's a designer. Like everybody has opinions that should be heard. Right. Mm. So I always kind of tell them to, one, um, just be more involved in UX processes. So in terms of design or just listening in on user research, then they actually have a sense of what the product is and they have an opinion around how the product can also improve. I'm not sure if you ever work with like team members where it's very much a block a black box situation where mm. you basically tell them what to do and they're like, sure, I'm going to do it. But they don't mm. really understand what the heck they're doing. It happens right. a lot with engineers uh, that I work with. So if you actually empower them to really think about the product, they will actually be a little bit more proactive with product decisions as well. Mm. Dude, really I, I, fuck with that, I fuck with that a lot. One of the things I've set up in my company is actually like a bi-weekly cadence where we rotate in different engineers to listen in on like user interviews. Mm-hmm. And it's been pretty, I think it's been pretty helpful for them and for us as well. Exactly. And now you can actually, you know, now you already have the basics down. Now you can encourage everybody to put back their feedback. Right. right? So maybe you can have a weekly or bi-weekly meeting where you might have someone show the designs or just go through the product and mm. then people can maybe not roast, but give feedback on how the product. Mm. Shit. Actually, that's actually dope. I actually would love to implement something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second thing is really looking into making sure that everybody's open for feedback. You know, the designer and the PM should say something along the lines of, you know what? Feel free to just give me a feedback. You're not going to hurt my feelings. <laughs> mm. um, we're a team. I welcome feedback. Feedback is a gift. So, so that everybody can say, you know what, like, maybe I can say something. I didn't think it was, I'm not sure if that was too mean, but this is what I wanted to say. Mm. So the third part of effective feedback is really looking at 
you know, how can I put myself in the shoes of a user? It's really easy to do that after your team has been involved in the design process and have a better product sense. So really mm-hmm. encourage your team to really think about who is the user? What is this design trying to solve? And is it effective in doing that? Mm, cool. Those are really valuable insights. Um, and again, like I might actually take some of those things. I think the weekly roast thing is actually a super interesting concept to like loop in the entire engineering squad and, and data science as well. You, you um, gotta check with your team though, because I, I feel like nowadays everybody's remote. People are like, yo, why are you trying yeah. to have more meetings? Have more meetings? Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a good point. So another thing I wanted to ask you about is a common thing that comes up between design and PM where the PM wants to ship the feature as fast as possible and get kind of that MVP to test for business viability. But the designer wants to have like a minimum desirability that for the user experience, because sometimes the experience isn't complete. And you'll hear a lot of PMs say the phrase, hey, this isn't ready for MVP and we'll do this for iteration or we'll do this later. We'll do this for phase two. How do you deal with situations like that? And how do you feel about that? Yeah, that's definitely the biggest issue I have with working with PMs too. I knew it. I knew it. But I mean, I, I totally get it. It's business. In a perfect world, we will be able to ship out a perfect product every time. But it's also not good practice to just work on something for a really long time without showing users. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that you can actually do to combat that. The first one is looking into really just like working closely with your designer to look into what is the MVP. So the MVP, a lot of people really think about is, you know, the minimum viable product for the product. Mm. Does that make any sense? Like in in the sense of a product. So the product needs to be able to have these features down. And as long as the users are able to do these things, ship it. Right. That makes sense. But also at the same time, would the users even use it? Yeah. Right? And that's the that's the test of the MVP. Because exactly. if you're designing like a really beautiful, elegant, well thought out design for like six, six, seven months and nobody's using it, then that's not achieving any objective as well. Exactly. So it's really important to really understand what is the point of us even shipping out this MVP? What are we trying to test? Right? What are our mm. metrics? So if your metrics are really looking into are, uh, you know, making sure our users are converting or making sure that our users are having a good time on the product and actually retaining. If you are not able to actually deliver on factors that will actually make the, the users actually want to use the product, what is mm. the point of that, right? So maybe sometimes the MVP is not actually enough. There's also a couple of things you need to work on right. with your designers on in terms of what is the MVP in terms of, in terms of design, right? right? If you have a feature, but it is so difficult for the users to use, they have to like, you know, bend over backwards to even just, you know, send in an order, for example. Right. What is the point of that? Why not spend a couple of more weeks in terms of fixing that issue to make sure that it's a little bit easier to use? It doesn't have to be the best design product in the world but it has to be efficient, right? Right. They actually have a term for that. It's called minimum desirable product. And there's also a term for engineering called minimum feasible product, which means like, what is the minimum feasibility that we can do to not get around different like tech debt hacky things to do to actually build it out in a scalable way. Mm -hmm. I think the similar thing applies to minimum desirable product in design, where sometimes you might launch something to test viability, but if the desirability isn't there, it actually 
hinders your ability to test the viability because you need to get it to some level of usability. And I also think this this matters, especially across different industries in an industry that's more functional, like for example, accounting, you know, maybe you can over index on the viability instead of the feasibility or the desirability, but in an industry like luxury or things that are more design heavy and, and experience focused, I do think you need to more maybe over index more on the desirability aspect of your products. I definitely agree on that. I feel like a lot of the projects that I worked on, when people are talking about minimum desirability, mm. they usually are focusing on features instead of mm. the design and the usability aspect of things. So mm. if PMs start thinking about usability as well for their actual MVP, I think it would really be great. Right. Okay, cool. And I think it's a case by case, depending on like what product or what feature you're trying to ship. Okay, cool. Thanks for that rundown. So I guess to wrap up, in relation to design, what are the top qualities that you would look for in a product manager? There's definitely a couple of things I'm looking for in a PM. I think the first thing is just being able to really collaborate with your designer and also understand when to pull in your designer. Mm. I've had so many times where PMs would say, by the way, I made this decision. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> Shit, okay, who was there in the room? Like, oh, me and a couple of product folks. But it was a design decision. Mm. You know, um, in those cases, it's really important for the PM to really think, you know, is this a is this a decision where I have to pull in a designer to really think, um, to really have a well-informed decision, right? Right. Um, it really depends on that relationship that you have initially with your PM to figure out when to pull someone in, when to start working with a designer, and when the designer might be a little bit more hands-off. Got it. The second thing is really looking into someone who trusts their design team or really other disciplines in general. You know, mm. I my biggest pet peeve is when, when a product manager is like, all right, this is what we're going to be building. <laughs> like, who, who told you that? Mm. <laughs> Did you have anybody from design in the room when you decided that? And uh, I think the the reason for that part of it is like how product management is sold to people. It's like, oh, you build a roadmap, you decide a roadmap. But what people don't know is that it's like a collaborative process. Like engineering, design, data science, your you know business counterparts all contribute to the roadmap, and you're just synthesizing all their ideas with your input as well. But you're not the final decision maker. So yeah. I think that's kind of like the misconception. You are a key stakeholder, though. You're yeah, a you're a key, key decision yeah. maker just not the only one. That's right, yeah. I mean, having a PM that is very design-centric or just believe in design is really, yeah. really helpful. It, it would right. save a lot of time on my hands because instead of pushing back on the PM on why we should make certain design design decisions, I work mm. with really design-focused PMs where they're like, say no more, fam. Like, let's mm. talk to our stakeholders and let's figure this out. Okay. How do you become more design centric? Just being more involved in the design process. Right. Right. Got so it. there's a lot of things that you have to think about when you're making a decision, right? In terms of strategy, business, technical visibility, and design. Yeah. Sometimes a lot of PMs might just put design on the last of their <laughs> list. But when you're more involved in research and understanding why certain design decisions are made, usually it's a little bit easier. Yeah. 
Okay. Dope. Yo, those are some great insights. I really appreciate you sharing your story and your insights into product management. Hope to have you back soon. Hey, y'all made it through the episode. Appreciate y'all for tuning into this episode of Lit PM. If you have any tech or product management topics that you'd like us to chat about, please feel free to hit us up on IG at the Lit PM. Until next time, y'all. 